Welcome to the Airborne Youth Podcast. Today you'll be hearing a message from Ben Evenson. All right, I've had a few questions. People, like some people know and some people are asking about my shirt. I just got to promote this, okay? Red Frogs is um, essentially part of the great grand God divine story of why we ended up in Australia for our mission trip a couple years ago, which was amazing, is that this is a ministry volunteer group that's been going for like 20 years, and what they do is they minister to Senior Week in Australia every year. It's called Schoolies over there, and the entire country of Australia does Senior Week at the exact same week because their schools are all on the same schedule, which would be so nice. Anyway, um, so every year there's tens of thousands of teenagers that go to the beach to get totally smashed drunk and do stupid things on their senior week, which is not uncommon to American teenagers a lot of times. And this guy 20 years ago got a vision and said, we are going to go and we're going to love and we're going to serve these kids as they go to the beach. And um, I, I could go on for an hour on the story of why Red Frog's connected to this whole thing. But essentially what they do is they go and they book a hotel room on every floor of every, one room on every floor of every hotel on every beach in the whole country. They have like 50,000 volunteers that do this for them every year. And they go and they put like RAs in a room on every floor of every hotel. And the first night of senior week, they go room to room on their floor and they just get lists of everybody who's in what room, emergency contact numbers, introduce themselves. Hey, we're just here to make sure you have a great week and everybody stays safe. And they say, you come down to my room every morning, free pancake breakfast for you every single day. We just want to love you, take care of you. We'll be checking at night to make sure everybody gets back here safe. It's awesome. That's like one part of it. And then they got crews that go down the beaches all day long and just walk and talk to people. People walk them back to their hotel room, like totally cool stuff. And then there's a crew that goes through all the hotel rooms at the end of the week and just cleans up trash and vomit and garbage and all that stuff, cleans all the hotel rooms before the hotel cleaners go through and do their final deal. Totally volunteer thing, and they're not allowed to mention the name of Jesus or anything like it unless they're asked why they're doing what they're doing. It's awesome. It's one of like... Might be in my bucket list to go do it some year to go serve. So Dylan, as you guys know, Dylan Krause is over there, and he gave me this glorious shirt when they were here a few weeks ago. I was like, Dylan, you're my hero. Anyway, so I wear it loud and proud. So that's red frogs, and they call it that because they literally give out these little red gummy frogs candies to the people. on the beach. It's like this connect. So they bring in tractor trailers of these red frog candies every year, and it's just their, like, mark that we're the red frogs. So. It's cool, and every public school in Australia invites Red Frogs during the year to come and do assemblies and talk about what they're going to do at schoolies week. So there are Christians walking into public schools going, hey, we're going to be there. They do, like, seminars and stuff and assemblies on how to be safe at at senior week and how to do all this stuff and say, hey, we're the Red Frogs. We're going to be there. We're there to serve you, love you, take care of you, do whatever you need. You let us know. So when the kids get to the schoolies thing at the beach, they're like, where are the Red Frogs? We've got to find them. And it's this wide open opportunity for the gospel to go forth. And it's so cool. And our contact who we worked with over there was saved through the Red Frogs. He was there at senior week getting trashed and all that. Totally drunk, throwing his life away. And somebody came and loved on him, introduced him to Jesus, changed his life. He's a worship leader at Dylan's church in Australia that we ended up connecting with. And Nick Riddle. Anyway, so it's amazing what God does. It's so good, right? Do you get chills from that stuff? Come on. So... If you get a burden for this, guys, go take over Ocean City. Come on. When's your senior week? Go love people, and it's awesome. So it's what we're called to do. So we are not going to have time for me to go full on into what I was going to talk about, but I did feel like God wanted to share a little something at first, and then I may try to 
cover this really fast, but I really felt like God was wanting me to reaffirm this reality we've been talking about a lot lately. You've probably heard me talk about it, but in, um, in our middle school deal on Sunday, I get the question all the time, like, why did God let sin exist in the first place? Like, why did sin have to be? Has anyone ever asked that question? Like, why? God, are you serious? Like, why would you have to set this up for sin to even be an option? And I, like, there is a real and true and genuine logical answer to that thing. And it is. It's this great thing. Like, God himself created the Garden of Eden and all of earth and all this kind of stuff. And then we know that there was the good tree and the bad tree, you know, in the garden and all that. But guess what? Like, Satan didn't create the bad tree in the garden. God did. And that's like, oh, that's a sick joke, isn't it? But it's actually not. It's actually a really amazing and incredible thing. And almost, it's a risk God took for you. Because what he wanted with, with you was not puppetry. He didn't want you to be a robot. He didn't want to have to be like you, just bow, worship, worship, be, be my servant, be my slave. He said, no, I want love. I want relationship. And relationship and love cannot exist without choice. So in his great love and desperation to, to know you personally, not just be this subservient human knave under his power, he said, no, I want them to choose me. So there had to be an option not to. So when you get to this place, guys, of asking these questions, why does crap happen? Why are bad things existing in the world? Look, it's because love exists. None of you want to be forced into loving somebody. Like, I say this all the time. You know, your mom had friends over when you were a kid, and she was like, they have kids your age, and you're going to be friends with them. It's like, that doesn't feel like love. That doesn't feel like relationship. It's like, no, it's like, don't I get a choice in this, mom? Are you kidding me? Like, you just feel forced and pressured, and God did not want that for his creation. So he was good enough, loving enough, and took the risk enough to say, no, I want real love and genuine relationship with my people, so I've got to give them the option. And unfortunately, they chose the opposite, and God said, you know, this, my love is still abounding beyond. He didn't go, oh, you screwed up. Now what do I do? He didn't have a plan B. He said, no, I am chasing you down because that's what love looks like. Love doesn't look like running when something goes wrong. Love looks like pursuing when it doesn't look hopeful. And so God saw his creation falling and floundering in sin and depravity and all the crap. And he said, I'm sending my son. Like, what a crazy, he's like, as if he hadn't done enough, he said, I'll do more for love. And guys, that's the gospel right there. It's like he wants you, and it's still the same reality. It's still a choice. There's still two trees. And I think everybody needs to hear that tonight. And I tell you, like, oh, man, so why does crap happen? Why do bad things hit our lives? Why do we have to experience things? Why are families broken? Why are people dying? Why are people sick? Why is all this stuff going on? And I just say, like, God is good. Sin is not. And none of that is the cause of God. It's the cause of sin. And, and what Courtney prayed at the end of worship, I was like, dang, she like stole half of what I had to share. But it's so good. That's exactly what God does. It's like, yes, how about confirmation of what he's saying? Is this reality is, guys, when you're up against something, the one thing the enemy wants you to believe is it's all about you and this is the end. And God says, guess what? I'm all, I'm all about you. And this isn't the end. Because guess what? Your victory is necessary for someone else around you. 
Do you understand that? If you isolate yourself and believe, oh, my gosh, this thing that I'm up against, it's all over. I have no hope. There's nothing left. There's all, it's all, and my life is over. Then the enemy goes, that's exactly where I want him. And God says, no, 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 no. You've got friends. You've got family. You've got a future spouse. You've got future kids that need the victory you're going to claim through Jesus Christ in your life today. The crap you're up against is an opportunity for you to plow ground that someone later down does not have to plow because you took a victory on their behalf. Because that's the way God is. You're not the center of the universe. You are not it. You're not done. The, The victories that your youth leaders have plowed and taken and the ground we've taken... We believe are for you. It's access for you to walk into your victory in a different way. Isaiah Reed, your victory has already proven to be the victory of your friends. Am I right? Come on. Hannah McComber, Trenton, where's she at? Evelyn, where you are? Come on. Your victories, these are just a couple. Come on. So many of you in here are walking in victories. They may not be complete yet, but some of you have walked through things, and you're going like, boom, and we record a simple video of Isaiah sharing the victory he walked in at a fall retreat, and probably 30 people said, there's hope for where I'm at right now, and it broke through for him, and what that did was just like fast-forwarded people's journey into their victory that they needed. Guys, your story is essential for the people that God's put in your life. Your victory, your win. So if you're up against something still right now and you're going, I can't see the end of this thing, you just stand in the victory that was already claimed at the cross and you, you stand from the, like, I'm winning. It doesn't look like it, right? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by God. God has got you. He's around your circumstance. He's around your situation. So I just, guys, I have to speak hope to your circumstance regardless. If it could be the smallest thing like, you know, my cat died. Like for somebody that's real and they need a victory, you know, for me it'd be like, oh, sorry. You know, like, just kidding. It's got to be funny. Anyway. But for some people that's real. Like if your parents are separating, that's real. But it's not over, and that's not the whole story. And it doesn't define you. Courtney hit this too. You're like, your, your past has defined you. For some people in this room, you're like, well, my parents this, my grandparents did it, my, this, my sibling followed this, and I'm just bound for the same thing. Well, guess what? That's crap. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. We'll get some Pentecostal in here. No, anyway. But guys, I know it's the end of the school year. I know that. And I know the feeling of the end of the school year. And you're like, please, God, just let it be over. Right? But do you understand you still have one or two or ten or six days to carry hope into that place that you go because your victory is not just for you. And your situation is not just yours. Because there is nothing that has come against you except what is common to man. 1 Corinthians. And God is faithful and he will 
provide a way of escape, and victory is yours. Do you hear me on this? There is no end of the hope line, like, oh, God just quit on me. No, he didn't. And for some of you, your battle is long, and it's hard, and guess what? Long, hard battles deliver. Ridiculously historic victories. Seriously, if, you, if God created this like crazy system where you're like, Jesus, come into my heart, and like <laughs> cotton candy and clouds, and like, it'd be like, wow, like there'd be nothing impressive about that victory. It'd be like, you're weird. But the very reality that you can walk in trials and tribulations while possessed by the Spirit of the Most High God positions you to carry hope and victory into a world where you're not living in this like weird la-la land that no one else can understand. They're going like, how do you still have hope with the crap I know that's going on in your life? And you go like, it's not me. I know there's a God who's got a story further down the line than where I'm at right now. Guys, God took the Israelites. This is part of what I was going to hit on and I'm not going to get, but God took the Israelites into the promised land. You know that story? And in the promised land, what did they have to do? Did they cross the river and, like, settle down and just, like, what did they have to do? What was the first thing they came up to when they, when they entered the promised land? Anybody know that story? You know the order of it? Anybody know? You'll know the story right away. Do you know which one it is? Jericho. A city with insurmountable walls. God promised them the promised land, Right? He said, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you to the promised land. They finally, after 40 stupid years of wandering in the desert because they couldn't get a clue, they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, and God brings them up to a giant insurmountable city where the walls, they could ride six chariots wide side by side on top of the walls of Jericho. Six chariots wide. That's like here to Tony in the back, I assume, was the top of the wall Probably 50 to 60 feet high, so high that you couldn't throw one of them grappling hooks up, you know, like Lord of the Rings realm, and climb the wall. 50, 60 feet high. That wide. So at the base, you have to assume that wall was much thicker than this youth room. And they built these walls so that they actually leaned outward. So it'd be extremely hard to climb them. Like the outside of the wall was actually like tapered away. So trying to get up them was like Spartan race on on like crazy steroids, right? Like they have the inverted wall, but it's like eight feet, you know, and there's handholds, you know, like in the Spartan race. This was like flat, sheer rock backwards. And what did they, and what did God tell them to do? Walk around in circles for seven days. It's like, God, are you? The first thing in the promised land is a city we cannot break, an insurmountable barrier, a hopeless circumstance stands in front of Israel and God says, just go ahead and walk around the city for seven days. Just one lap each day and then camp out. And the next day do a lap. And then on the seventh day, I want you to go around seven times. And then at the end of the seventh lap, I want you to pull out your trumpets. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, right? Get out your music instruments And we're going to make a giant shout to the Lord. And the walls that tilted outward defied the laws of physics. They found the ruins of Jericho. They found them, okay, archaeological. The walls 100% collapsed into the city. 
no weapons, no swords, no offense to our Marine here. No, it's really good. I'm just saying. I'm, and I'm not saying that's a mandate to all things, but I'm saying like God brought them in the promised land of Jericho. And then the Midianites and the Amorites and the Amalekites and the Philistines. And, the, and they spent the rest of their journey as the people, the chosen people of God, living in the promised land up against city after city that defied their God and, how, and left them hopeless. You know stories like Gideon? who had to go up against all the armies of the, is it the Amalekites or whatever I think it was? Midianites. The Midianites, right? And God says, oh, you got way too many people, 120,000 soldiers, that's crazy. Whittle them down. So everybody who's afraid, go home. They get down to 3,000. God's like, way too many. Right? Whittles them down to 300. And they made a really epic movie that's a lot like the story of Gideon from the Bible. They stole it. Anyway, it's called 300. Anyway, Right? And Gideon with 300 dudes goes and surrounds the army camp of like, well, I forget of how many hundred thousand troops that they had to get through this place. They had to get through this barricade, this wall, this hopeless circumstance. And God says, I want you to surround their camp and everybody have a, have a clay pot with a torch up inside the clay pot. You're going to go surround the camp with 300 dudes. This is a suicide mission. Like, really? And in the middle of the night, when I say, at the, at the signal, you break the pots, you hold up the torch and say, a sword for the Lord and for Midian. And what happens? 300,000 or whatever, 500,000 troops wake up. What? Yeah, they wake up and they attack each other and wipe each other out. And Gideon's going like, oh, that worked. In the promised land, they were living. This was a prophetic picture of what it looked like to be the kingdom people of God in the New Testament, post-cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus, Holy Spirit now lives. They just had the Holy Spirit with them in a box, and they did this kind of crap. But Jesus came, died on the cross, the veil was torn, and for the first time, humanity was in the presence of God. And the presence of God at Pentecost came inside humanity. Not another religious system on planet Earth in all of history looks like that. It's all a, you come to a temple, you come to a place, and you please the God, and maybe he'll have favor on your life. God said, no, I'll come to you. I'll make the sacrifice. I'll live inside you because you're my temple. This building is not holy. You are. You are the temple of God. So honor God with your body. You carry it all. Every ounce of the power of God that made Jericho go boom and the Midianites go, ah, what do we do? Like slaughtered each other. Like same God, same power, totally living inside of you in no junior version. Man, your battles, that doesn't mean, oh, good, I just walk around. and like No, it means every wall that come up, I say, God, what are we doing with this one? Because he does it different every time. He didn't go to the next city and say, march around seven days. Because like, then we'd get really proud, be like, oh, we'd go to the next city and be like, God, I, don't worry about it, I got this. 
he gave us the same solution to every problem, we'd get really proud of ourselves and forget how important he is in our lives. So every time, every battle, every victory you have to take has a different solution from God who's within you. Man, that's so powerful and crazy. Come on. So I feel like we got to do something here. That was really short. So stand up, everybody, right now. And don't, don't disconnect with me right here. I feel like, God, we prayed this. I got this such a sense and a compassion in my heart in prayer beforehand tonight, in pre-service prayer, that God wants to, like, do some breakthrough things in individual lives tonight. There's going to be some walls come down tonight, and I don't have, like, a specific, like, this is the one, but I believe that some of you got walls that need to fall. Some of it's physical healing that you need. Something's got to break, and the Spirit of God that lives inside you wants to rebuild that temple in a physical manner. I think some of it's mental, some of it's emotional, some of it's your family circumstances and surroundings, people around you, stuff that feels like there's no hope. you got a Jericho in front of you. You're like, I thought I got saved. I'm supposed to be in the promised land. You are in the promised land, and he promised to be with you. He didn't promise that you wouldn't have anything to come up against. He promised, I'll be with you and in you. So the victory is yours. So every single one of you, if you claim the name of Jesus as the Lord of your life, have the Holy Spirit of God inside you right now. If you don't, if you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, that can be yours tonight. There's not some, like, class process you got to go through to get, you know. You say, God, I need you inside of me, and I'm making you center, and I want to be your temple. I want to be a place where people come to meet with the most holy God. That's what temples are, right? Meeting places with God, with deity. You are that temple. So that invitation's open tonight. If you're just like, man, I've never done that, or I, maybe I just understand it differently tonight than I ever had before, I want you to do something in your heart tonight. Do some work with God. Talk to him and tell somebody about it. But what I want to do right now is if you need breakthrough right now, I want you to raise your hand in any spiritual, emotional, mental. It's almost everybody. Come on. This is so good. I want you to find somebody with a hand up. We're going to have to, like, spread out because, wow, wow. Come on. We'll have youth leaders move around. Please keep your hand up or at least, like, on your head or your shoulder if you can't hold it up forever. That can be hard, I know. Just, like, do something so we know who you are. We want to come around and pray for you. Is that okay? And if you don't have your hand up right now, if you're feeling like, man, I'm right now I'm walking in a pretty good season of life, and there are times when you're like, oh, yay, he leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. There are seasons of, the, of your life that will be like that. When you come out of a victory, you're like, wow, that was good. And that victory is for somebody in this room right now. So I want you to find somebody to pray for right now. Come on. If that's you. If not, I just want you to close your eyes and keep your hand up. Leaders, I want you to go around, and we're going to have to just pray pretty briefly, but we want to agree with you. And I want you to believe if you claim the name of Jesus over your life and you say, I'm a Christian, then that spirit of God is inside of you, and the solution and the breakthrough is already within you. You don't have to earn victory. 
You have to walk in victory, knowing that what God's doing right now, if he's just taken your 30,000 troops down to 300, might feel like you're getting stripped down to nothing. It's for his divine purpose to see your victory come in a miraculous way. So, God, I just release healing in this room right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and engage what is spiritual, engage what is physical. God, if there is any demonic strongholds, God, if there is anything that, that, that the enemy has grabbed a hold of and has taken place here, God, we just say out in Jesus' name. Out with the bad, in with the good. Holy Spirit, come and fill every place. Kingdom of darkness, you have no place here. You have no authority here. We plead the blood of Jesus over every life in this room tonight, every breakthrough, every cry of every heart. And we declare your healing power to wash through this room right now. God, we thank you for healing hearts. We thank you for healing minds. We thank you for healing emotions. We thank you for healing bodies. You're a holy God who comes with a holy presence and presses out the things that are not of your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that the story's not over. God, we pray and we command courage to come across this room for those that are in the battle and pressing. They might be on day three of walking around Jericho right now, and God, we say, you have said the word and the victory is coming. Jesus, break through right now. Break through right now. For some of you, that breakthrough moment is right now. Jesus' name. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, visit airborneyouth.com.